Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. My name is Dr. Bobby Maybe, and I'm here with a very special guest, uh, one of my favorites in the world in the business of rehab, strength training, uh, and anything else that has to do with maintaining the human body. This is Charlie Weingroff. I'm going to go through your bio, Charlie, on, the, uh, on your website real fast. Uh, Charlie is a doctor of physical therapy, certified athletic trainer, and st- certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's currently a physical therapist and strength and conditioning coach at Drive 495 in Manhattan, New York, and Fit for Life in Marlboro, New Jersey. He's also a member of Nike Executive Performance Council and serves as physical performance lead and head strength and conditioning coach for the Canadian men's basketball team. Prior to returning to his home in New Jersey, he was the Director of Physical Performance and Resilience and Lead Physical Therapist for the United States Marine Corps Special Operations Command in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And he's got all kinds of degrees in exercise and sports science, Masters of Physical Therapy and DPT. But most importantly, my biggest question for you, Charlie, is are you ready to rumble? Uh, I, I hope that that is not necessarily what we will be doing on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, thank you for uh, thank you for having me. And if uh, if rumbling is is what's going to make a great experience for your listeners, maybe we can figure, <laughs> we can figure out how to do that. Uh, your your crowd here is uh, chiropractors primarily, uh, evidence based chiropractors. Um, most of them are schooled up in FMS, SFMA. We've got some MDT folks for sure, uh, McKinsey guys and um yeah man they, they're you, this is your audience here it's just from the other side of the fence but you know it's interesting that, that uh um what, what does it mean other side of the fence because that I'm chiropractic curious. side of the fence yeah, man. you know what and and that's really a, a very interesting way to begin the conversation um and it's not planned like we didn't talk about this ahead of time um you know it, it's it's uh if anybody knows what the difference between a chiropractor and a physical therapist is, there's really probably a problem. Um, I think one of the big things that I started with my commercial message was that the last time that I checked, uh, the human systems of neurology and physiology all, all work the same regardless of what someone's formal training is. So um, I don't really look at it as other side of the fence. I think there's um, you know, stereotypes of any kind of profession, which include if I'm going to get pegged on the side of the fence as physical therapy, um, those stereotypes exist for a reason. I don't think they're wrong or, or disrespectful. Um, but, but ultimately, I think we all might have different uh, things that we were trained in originally, but the body works off of specific adaptations to impose demands. Uh, the body works off a form of, of adjust. Uh, uh, adaptations or uh, adaptations that don't last very long, which I would consider an adjustment, which is, a, I know, a word that probably means something different to different people. Uh, but ultimately, we're all really doing the same things. Um, and in fact, if, if we're more reliant on, on, on one intervention, it's probably, uh, uh, you know, there's probably more room to grow than, than, to, uh, than to, to be stuck in that one approach because everything can work, but of course, not everything works for everybody. So it's interesting that you choose to describe it that way because I don't really um, look at it, it that way. And people that come up uh, 
following a lot of things that I, that I talk about. You, know, you wouldn't know if they were you know, an ATC, a PT, a trainer, a coach, uh, um, a Cairo. They, uh, now, they all might do different things. They might get the football when we call a certain play based on what the human system is telling us. But, you know, we're all football players. And that's uh, it's an interesting, uh, interesting way to begin the dialogue. Just testing you, my friend. <laughs> what, um, with that in mind, where do you see this game, this game that we do play, where do you see this heading in the future? Oh, well, that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure the, the different, um, you know, again, formal training, I'm not sure has anything to, uh, to do with it. Um, it's, it's, I think some of us are kind of, already there um people you know we, we should not be uh in my opinion uh just because we choose to be healthcare professionals doesn't mean we should be running our businesses differently than any other service and um i think the people that can uh find a great business model within the different ways that uh that people pay for what what it is that we do uh i, I can tell you an interesting story i had a client many years ago when i started in new york city he uh he, he, yeah, he, like many people, they're told to come see me. I, I don't do a ton of marketing at that level. Uh, uh, I might be known throughout the uh, social media messenger, but not necessarily uh, for the regular, for the general population. He says to me, he's like, listen, don't worry. I just had a couple questions and we're going to do the session. But so, so basically I want to understand how this works. You're going, I'm, I'm here. You're going to do what you do because supposedly you're the best. I'm going to, I'm going to pay you. Um, but usually, because he was getting to that, he never paid cash for physical therapy before. And, and he said, so, but in most situations, I've used insurance. So basically, you're saying that you do great work, and then somebody else not in the room decides how much and when you get paid. I said, yeah, that's kind of why healthcare gets really screwed up. He's like, what are, you, what are you people, idiots? Like, why would you do that? Like, why would you let, a th basically, what he's describing is third-party payment. And uh, I think I think for those uh, any healthcare uh, position that can either manage third-party payment in a very advantageous fashion or just completely ignore third-party payment uh, is is really where we have no choice but to go. Uh, if you want elite care, now of course everybody thinks they're elite, and everybody's Cairo, everyone's PT that they go to, they're the best, and that's fine. But but you know the the goal is to make money. And, and do great work. And the only way to really do that is by running a business in a way that you, fits your model. So if you want to make a certain amount of money, you probably have to uh, you know, operate in a, in a certain way. So it's a very, very, uh, that, that's really where I think we're, we're all being forced to go. Some people probably uh, closer than, than further away. Uh, and, and, and how people can get there by, without, without compromising their clinical values any more than necessary in order to get paid what they want to get paid for the lifestyle that they want. Uh, that's where I think the future for us is going. I really not, I'm not like politically oriented or really see where third-party payment is going, um, but I think you know, it breeds certain types of clinical practices uh, to, so that you can maximize the return on that third-party dollar. And, you know, if, if that person's okay with it, yeah, like, I don't really have a problem that McDonald's exists. Um, I, I'm confused. Uh, if I'm going to use a growth mindset, I'll be confused. If I'm not going to have a growth mindset, I'm upset that people still go to McDonald's, that people will still engage in healthcare that maybe you or I or the people listening know is completely subpar, but that, that market dwarfs, you know, what's going on. So we have to be that much better in terms of 
getting an opportunity to nail it, uh, maybe doing things a little bit differently than where we currently do it so that we can really cut out that third-party payment model and still be great clinicians. I think that's really where we have to go. I don't know. I don't see any reason why we should have to operate our businesses differently uh, just because we choose to be healthcare providers. You might have just exploded some heads in the crowd because I don't think if I asked that question, anyone would have expected Charlie Weingroff to go on a business talk. You know what? It's uh, it's really where I'm going. Uh, I'm not going to describe you know my standing in in the uh, in the business community. That's for other people to decide. But 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 after you know after, they would have gone like, what do you think's the next hot way to do uh, spinal stabilization? They would have gone way on onto the clinical side, and not the business side. I thought. Well, maybe you know, but but they're they're both the same because if you're gonna like the, the I, I I would be sitting up there and at a conference or something and and people would start asking questions about business and you know if it's in the fitness model talking about group training et cetera et cetera and I yeah. and I wasn't I wasn't at that status yet where people were asking me questions yet um, and I always figured like if they did maybe I'd be a real dick and be like hey you know what not for nothing but maybe if you're the absolute effing best at what you do within a 250 mile radius then anyone will come and see you and pay exactly what you say. So um, um, I was, it's really been convinced upon me, particularly now that I work for myself pretty much, uh, you got you to not only be great at what you do and deliver something very, very special that, that other people can't deliver. I feel good about my ability to do that, even though I'm not the only one that can do that. But we shouldn't be afraid to ask people for money because they'll, they'll tell us if, if it's not the right amount of money. Uh, if, right. people, if, no, if no one comes to me, at my number, that means I'm charging too much. Like they don't even have to tell me personally why they're not coming, but it's my decision. So if I can, if I charge so much and I see one person per day, which is not what I do, but if I did, maybe that's enough money for me and I'm happy. And then I have 23 hours to enjoy my life. Um, I think sometimes because we're healthcare providers, we're kind of pushed into this corner that it's always our responsibility to serve everybody. Right. Rather, and, and if that's what someone wants to do, that's okay. But you probably want to join the Peace Corps, maybe. You know, like if you're saying you don't do this for money, then why do you do it for money? Yeah, maybe. yeah go candy stripe a, a cancer ward, you know. Go, go really actually help people. So, so uh, that, that's, that's BS when people say that. So it, it's, uh, I think we all, we all do have a fiduciary responsibility, but I think every profession has a fiduciary responsibility. So um, I've really gotten to a point in my career, not that I'm bored with, with therapy, not that I uh, think I'm so great, but I think I can help a lot of people um, with some of the business projects and the, and the companies that I've created uh, because yeah, it's really no different. Like it's it's really exciting. And then to get back to your first question, whatever the the weather is in the future in terms of uh, healthcare as a profession, we will better be able to navigate the, the those seas if we are better business people and better clinicians. And and if you strip them all back, we start to find that to, to accomplish both of those things are really a lot more similar than different uh, when we take a 50,000 foot view at those, at those processes. How does this change? Um, like if you went back in time, 10 years, 10 year younger, Charlie, uh, what would, what would you tell yourself? Oh my God, I would never have, well, look, it's a catch 22 and I have this conversation a lot. What I was about to say was I never, uh, I mean, I, I had just been dubbed the next great young strength coach in the NBA and uh, I figured I was going to have a 30-year career in the NBA. Uh, maybe I would have had a gym on the side, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, I never in a million years thought 10 years ago I would not be, or not 11, 
uh, I wouldn't be working in professional basketball. Obviously now I am in other capacities, but I look back now and it's like, if I knew what I knew now about what I really wanted in my life, I never would have gone to pro sports. Uh, I would have started a business and, you know, I would have had a house in every state by now, you know, and, and, and do whatever I wanted to do with my life. Uh, but, but maybe I would not have had the skills both socially or clinically had I not been in the NBA. So it's like this catch 22. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. You, and, and there's no way to rewrite the book, nor should anyone ever try. But, you know, so maybe, you know, like I, I never, I never would have gone to pro sports. Um, and I advise a lot of young people of, of just that. It's like, you know, because you can't, like there's a cap on how much money you're going to make. There's, there's, there's job security that isn't there, but I bet you, you, you told me you got 7,500 listeners. I'm pretty confident that 6,500 would jump at an opportunity to even just work with a professional athlete privately uh, because of the glory. And there's nothing wrong with the glory. And again, it's easy for, it's always easy for me to say, because now um, if I were to ever go back full time to pro sports, it would be this enormous pay cut, uh, which I'm, which I might even be okay with because then I'm out of the rat race. So a lot of these things all go, you, know, so you all, can't win either way, right? Yeah, well, it, it, you have to determine what is winning. So that way you can right. win. Anyway, if you, you really can identify what you want. And, and I think you're going back to your question. 10 years ago, I probably didn't know what I wanted. Um, or maybe I did. And then we just changed as people. So it's always okay to change your, your, your five-year plan. You always, in the fine print, there's, there's always you reserve the right to, to change your plan at any moment. Um, you know, positive and negative things always happen in life, obviously. So it's, um, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I mean, that, that was, it's interesting. I think if I look at 2008, 2009, where I could basically stay not as an ATC, but as a physical therapist, that was, that was the 10 year, 10,000 uh, hour mark. And it was also the first time I ever walked out of a seminar. Uh, it was an atrocious seminar. Other people who I won't name didn't even come back the second day. And I'm like, man, I paid to get on a plane, to rent a car, to hotel, to tuition for somebody who I was just waiting to see. Like I had seen the name and I read the stuff and I was like, I want to go to the seminar. And I walked down and that was right around 10,000 hours. Like, oh my God, like I got something over on this guy who I really looked up to. And, yeah. and you know, that, that 10 years and now 10 years from then, you know, roughly, you know, give, or, give or take, you know, things continue to, to, to change. Um, you know, so it's, it's uh, yeah, the, the biggest thing that I go back 10 years ago, maybe some of the mistakes that I made uh, then would have been like, you know, the battle doesn't have to be won in, in one day. And, and that would equate to a lot of things in terms socially of uh, not trying to push for what you believe to be successful right away. You sit back and you watch a couple bullets go by and as long as you can dodge them, uh, you're going to find your, your shot eventually. I probably didn't keep my mouth shut enough. I kept pushing for what I believed in and I didn't have a long enough time frame for this, for different situations uh, that I was in. I needed it all. I needed it now. And even though I think I was right and I would, and I can't even look anybody in the eye and say, I would have done things differently. The person that I am today and the perspectives that I have today, of course I would have done it totally differently, but I didn't think it, I should have done it differently then. Uh, I, I, I never second guessed myself. And then maybe we have this conversation another 10 years from now and I'll tell you the exact same thing about the things I'm saying right now. Yeah. I mean, those, those things permeate it. It's obvious to, to tell the young people, you know, it's very important to know what you want. It's very important to be patient when you try to chase it or pursue it, but it's also very important to be certain in who you are and, uh, and don't, don't shy away from that at all. 
Yeah, all those all those cliches are, are crucial. Cliches but the one are <laughs> cliches the are one, great for a podcast. <laughs> well, the one that you're missing though is that you, you're allowed to change your mind at any moment, and uh, and that doesn't cheapen what you thought of yesterday. It's okay to change. It's okay to 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 throw everything away if you believe in what you're seeing. What um, but as far as your approaches, how have your how has have how has your approach changed <laughs> over the years? Uh, well, uh. You know, it's it's been such a, a fluid evolution. It's not that I can't say what it is. I'm just not really sure exactly how because, you know, the the changes that I've made, you know, I mean, I I, I feel like I know more, um, but I don't think I'm any more intelligent. I don't think I'm any more motivated. Uh, it just seems like, you know, the things that I was doing, I'm just better at what I was doing. Um, uh, I really can't think of anything that I really don't do anymore that maybe I used to do before. Uh, if anything, uh, the biggest thing that I think is the most important is uh, the level of keenness uh, and the and the depth of evaluation. Um, I'm I'm a better evaluator. Uh, I'm a better talker. I'm a better seeing things that that maybe don't show themselves right away. Uh, so that, you know, I'm better at drawing lines. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Um, maybe we could call it pattern recognition. Uh, I yeah. think a lot of, a lot of times people see the, 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 um, the, the image that I'm, um, uh, I choose to project on social media and, and, it, and it's by intent to come across, uh, somewhat juvenile. Um, but I've got 22 years now and, and, yeah. uh, and I've got, you know, I've worked in a lot of different situations in a very positive way because when you're working pro sports you're, and you're climbing the ladder, you're, you're not going to hold one job. You're not meant to hold one job. So I feel like, you know, the, the things that I've changed over time, there's a, you know, you have, you have people that have like, they, they, they graduated PT school three years ago or, or they've been a trainer like for two years and people are hanging on whatever they say. Uh, right. Whereas, you know, yeah, it's like, and it's not like they shouldn't have the chance, the, the the opportunity to to express themselves. Uh, again, I find it odd that people actually believe what they say or put any credit <laughs> or put credibility into it. Um, whereas, you know, the the things that I've seen and the changes that I've made in the, in the import, like pattern recognition, comes with experience. So, some of the things that I do differently now than I do then, because I know more. Well, how do I link that together? And the only way to link it together is to have as comprehensive an evaluation process as possible. Uh, and 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 the other good thing about the comprehensive evaluation process is that it will show you what you're missing, because if you're evaluating honestly and you're not evaluating for the value of a technique, and you're really evaluating for a solution, then it's gonna show you the, uh, the genre or the scope of a solution. And if you don't have a tool or a method that fits that genre or that scope, then you better go learn it, and it, it exposes you. And I think that's what we want. Like, we have to be exposed, we have to be shown failures. So, but you should know that the best, most efficient solution is, is going to be uh, some kind of pain referral. Um, so yeah. you have to have a referred pain technique. Maybe that's ischemic release on a trigger point. Maybe it's dry needling. Maybe it's some kind of uh, uh, vertebrogenic uh, um, modulation, uh, which may be what you people will call adjustments. Um, they're, they're all really good, but we're going to use them for the purpose of what the evaluation says, not because I want to be a dry needler. And I, that's really right. probably the, big, the biggest thing that I feel good about that I probably didn't do as much when I was younger. And that, that baseline, that thing, that system that you always refer back to, 
uh, it always lets you know whether your ideas are right or not. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Where where I, I would like the evaluation process to take you as far away from what you're passionate and good at. And because because if you can honestly evaluate someone and take your emotion of what you really want to do to help uh, and you have to pass it to someone else or you have to go learn something else, uh, it's got to be right. It's got to be more right than if you if, if you can if you keep it. Uh, if you can if you can distance yourself as far away from the solution as possible, you work with a team uh, of other people who are better at what they need than what you are, then it's a good situation. And then, of course, you're going to find the times where you do get to carry the football. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, you know, these are all things that I feel like I'm better at now than I was 10 years ago. Do you have a system for seeking knowledge or do you failure. just feel like there's a piece that you need and then you go get it? Yeah. Failure, failure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's failure. It, it's the number one way. Now, obviously people that you respect or look up to, or maybe people that you despise and detest. Um, one thing I can start there, uh, every year I'll try to take a seminar or read a book of something that I firmly today believe that I'm, that I think is trash. Um, one of two things are going to happen. Number one, I'm going to confirm my belief that this model, this person's message, et cetera, et cetera, not the person, but what they're saying is trash. Um, that, that's one thing that can happen. Or the other thing I can find that I'm wrong. Two, these are both yeah. very, very, these are both very, very positive outcomes of studying something that you think you hate because now you have no doubt. You, you honored, you honored the universe by you know, investigating and, and you found that you were right. And now you can further eliminate, you don't even need to keep it in the back of your closet. You can throw it out in the trash because that's what it is. And there's a lot of things out there that are straight trash. Uh, but if you were wrong and you gave it an honest chance, you win, Like you, you now have this thing and it's very, and, and, and you showed humility and you showed, you showed excellent levels of growth by being able to change your mind. If there's something that I'm very, very good at, I can change my mind in a second because I just want to win. Like I don't really care how I do it. Uh, I just want to win now. Now the other, but most of the other models is when you run this very keen evaluation system and you evaluate in uh, for certain solutions that you have no expertise because you can you can learn how to evaluate it, but you but you may not have the experience in intervening upon it. If right. you can if you can evaluate at that level, you're going to find what you need. And as a healthcare provider, you have the the fundamental background to get into really anything you really want to outside of surgery or writing, you know, pharmaceutical prescriptions. Um, the fitness folks that might be listening, they probably don't have that same background to get into certain forms of, of, of training or, or healthcare. Uh, I, I call everything training. So, um, but that's, uh, if you evaluate that way, uh, let's say uh, if you're evaluating for certain things at a joint, and you keep finding that a lot of your patients need something at that joint, but all the techniques that you know how to do at that joint are not creating the solution that you want from your evaluation. Hey, you need to read a book or go get mentored or go to a seminar on doing something to that particular joint. And you let the failure guide you uh, because now you're going, you're going shopping for something you need. Shopping for what you need is not shopping anymore. It's going to get. Like You, you go to the store, you're not going shopping, you're going getting. Yeah. You're, you're not going to look around and say, oh, that looks cool. You're, you're lucky if you can do that. I've been very lucky in my career that I could take courses that I thought things that looked cool where I wasn't really answering that need. Not everyone is lucky enough to be able to do that. Um, but well, isn't, that's, this, isn't that like, wouldn't you consider that the proper form of skepticism? Like that's the proper approach to being a skeptical person is to actually try something out and do your due diligence 
to make sure it is trash or not trash? Yeah, and, I, I and validate. I I probably don't use that word. Um, yeah, but, because but, people have ruined the word. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think words are incredibly powerful, and what you just did shows that you used a word that I have a very negative emotional connection to. So I don't. I told use you we were going to rumble, man. Well, that, that's okay because we're on different phone lines. But uh, <laughs> my my point is, I certainly agree with what you said. Uh, trying new things and finding if it's useful or not. Um, to me, that's not skeptical. To me, that's a commitment to winning. Uh, where I don't really care what I'm going to do. And if I'm losing, then uh, I'm going to try other things. That's kind of an easy thing. Like if you suck and you think that you, and you recognize that you suck, you're going to try to find ways to not suck anymore. It's the true elite. Uh, the, the true elite individual is when they think they got it and they're going to keep trying to find other things. And, uh, and they're, and they're going to continue to evaluate very agnostically where their favorite techniques don't get highlighted. So it's a, um, yeah, I, I, again, if that's what it means to you, for you to, to say, uh, nope, uh skeptic- nope, nope, nope. I like that. I like the agnostic term much better. Yeah. Much Skepticism. Better. I don't, I don't like that word. Um, it, it seems to be associated with a lot of messages that, that I don't care for. Um, but it's just a word. I mean, nobody's going to die over the words, <laughs> but, um, uh, it's, you never it's know these days you never commit. Know. Commitment to winning. Commitment to winning is, is trying new things and being a scientist and, and running the scientific method, for, for, but, but you're doing it for a need because you work with your people and you're going to be a scientist in determining what works so that when you see this, this box of a person again, you can, you can use pattern recognition and run a very similar model and expect a similar result. That's science. Hey, man, who coached you up? Like who made you think the way you think? Where did you get that? Was that was that uh, parenting? Was that coaching? Was that pure personal willpower? Um, it, it comes from I, somewhere. It's different. It's not like a Tony Robbins type shit thing. It, it's there's something different there. You know, uh, I, I'm going to take that as a compliment, and I do think it's intended as such. So thank you. But um, yeah, I, don't I don't read too much into me. I'm not. I'm not that smart. I'm not. I Me mean, neither. I don't think I'm smart. I might just know a lot. But. Uh, um, <laughs> They, uh, who am I kidding? Of course I'm smart, but <laughs> the, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know what it is. It's not a, it's, it's life. And, and if it sounds spiritual, it's okay. Because in, in the United States Marine Corps, it's mind, body, and spirit. And when I was there, um, even though it was a very short period of time, I learned, you know, like, like, what do you believe in? And in my life, I can describe, uh, I don't know that we're going to get into what exactly they are, but I would say at least four I'm, a, I'm on the verge of number five, major life-changing events, meaning there's some bad shit happened. And, yeah. and every time that one of those things happen, um, you know, a lot of people close to you, and I'm sure everyone listening would have the same, the same experience. Everything happens for a reason. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. It sucks now, but it'll be better later, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? When it happens the first time, it's kind of tough to believe. Uh, but after it happens four times and you land in a better place every time, it's a lot easier to really believe in something. Uh, that's really what, what spirituality is. You've got to believe in something. So um, I think, again, my failures and my ability to come back every time and have a better life uh, was really, I, I think, what I want to attribute what I think you're describing on, on this mindset. Because the, the, the only other thing I can say is that I, I won't lose. And, and, yeah. um, that's, that's, 
uh, I lose a lot in the mini battle, but, but because the big losses have always yielded a better status uh, for the things that I want in my life, you know, I just, I just won't lose. And, and now that causes a lot of problems because, you know, it, if you work with other people that don't have the same mindset, it can be, or, or maybe they do have a similar mindset, but their version of winning is different. Uh, right now, there's a lot of people that are very, very excited to get recognized on social media. Okay, it's just like the pro sports things. It's like, yeah, I had that in 2008, 2010, and I still have it now. But I really wish I could do what I do and enjoy my life without social media because I don't terribly enjoy um, being picked on. I don't, I don't like, I, I don't like uh, having to put myself out there. But it's yeah. part of it's part of the cost of doing business, so I can do what I want. And I think uh, having an understanding of that level of logic, even so sometimes it's not logical at all as to why someone would rather feel good about themselves on social media than make a lot of money uh, is, is weird to me. But because I, I live that very often, um, I'm able to keep this, like I, I can't let it bother me because fuck it, I would be like clawing my skin off you know, 24 hours a day. So um, I don't know exactly what it is. Certainly when you mention someone's parents, of course I must give them because, you know, I don't have all these IQ points without them, but, uh, but I, I just, I just don't want to lose. And, and that's all it is. And, and, and we're very lucky because uh, for what we do, when we win a lot, other people win also. That's uh, great, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not just, uh, we, we, we can really have an opportunity to affect a lot of people. So that's how I count winning. Like if, if you're hearing something very unique from, from this conversation, there's a lot of other people that are going to hear something unique and maybe this opens a door uh, for a different pathway for, for success. Um, I had a question from the audience. Someone wanted you to break down, maybe you've got some new language to break it down a little easier from the, the language standpoint, the core pendulum theory. Uh, yeah. So the, 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 there's, there's an the understanding. Sounds like Feldenkrais to me, but go ahead. It may very well. Uh, I'm not trained in Feldenkrais. Um, any, any discussion I have on Feldenkrais, I would, it, it would appear to be some kind of, floor-based training, which is probably highly disrespectful, so I can't comment on <laughs> what, what I'm, No, what but I'm, it's uh, awareness through movement and joint centration. Yeah, but they're floor-based, they're floor yeah. I will say that the core pendulum ends uh, with joint centration. However, it doesn't begin there. Uh, yeah. what, 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 what we're finding is that people would be able to hold what we could say is a desirable mechanical position. Desirable mechanical position would be one where there's um, the, the opportunity for maximal force production and minimal joint wear. That's one way to describe centration. It's one way to describe neutral. It's probably the position you want your spine in when you lift something heavy, where the joints bear as little load as possible, and, uh, but no more, no less, and the muscles can create the maximum amount of force. That's biomechanical efficiency. Now, now you can achieve that, what appears to be that, uh, with very little work or with a lot of work. So you can brace, like, uh, come up, I'm going to punch you in the stomach and you're going to tighten your abs as hard as you possibly can. And you will hold this middle position and you'll be able to take the punch you know, provided that the punch is not so hard. I don't want that because now if that's your strategy to hold your joint position, then you're now limited in how much more force you can create if you're going to lift something heavy. All right. So we found that some people don't have to work very, very hard. Those are the people 
that have high levels of motion in all directions. Uh, this actually doesn't come from Feldenkrais, from my initial exposure to this understanding. It actually comes from the spinal engine and Grakashevsky, if I'm even saying yeah. the name correctly. Uh, what, what, what that message was, was that let's take a spinal segment. The spinal segment that could flex 55 degrees, extend 16 degrees, and rotate 12 to 13 degrees right and left, that, 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 that joint segment would be able to maintain neutral with as minimal um, oblique action, as minimal rectus action, as minimal quadratus lumborum or, um, or, or the Yeah, no, 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 it would use multifidus because it would use multifidus, it would use transverse abdominis because, yeah. because the core pendulum theory would suggest that if a joint has this wild motion, and I'll get to the word that's probably a little bit more popular now than it was when I started to think of these things after reading Spinal Engine, the word is variability, movement variability. If, if the joint is very variable, it will be easier for it to find neutral because the body has to know where it's going. It needs this mechanoreception so that the, the, the brain will recognize that this joint can be all over the place. So the, the efficient process in response to that mechanoreception is reflexive muscle contraction of multifidus. It's reflexive muscle reflexive, contraction. Yes. So, so um, um, it is multifidus in my opinion. And, and we're going to, uh, if someone has uh, ideal uh, multifidus, pelvic floor, diaphragm, and transverse dominus function, it's because the joint has high levels of, of potential motion, movement variability. The brain recognizes that. It's like, oh my God, if we don't do something, this person is going to be like Pinocchio and be floppy all over the place. It then uh, uses a, a, a motor strategy that uses the muscles that are very, very close to the segments like multifidus. Uh, now, in order to maintain this desired posture, the, 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 the outer muscles, the obliques, the pecs, the, all the ones that seem to get tensioned, all the ones that seem to have trigger points, all the ones that seem to need foam rolling. The yeah. reason that, the, so those muscles are doing the little guy's jobs. They're almost uh, secondary. They're secondary to the relationship. Yes, yes, yes. So we, we don't want this. I want those muscles to be available at their full capacity to be able to deliver high amounts of force to move the body, again, in the, in the indicated position. So going back to the core pendulum, the core pendulum says that, well, why, really what I was answering is like, why is yoga good for some people? Why is moving outside of neutral good for some people? Why do we see athletes or any individuals that move like Gumby but then probably couldn't lift their way out of a paper bag, but can jump off a 30-story building off on a skateboard and hold this incredibly efficient squat position. Because they, their, their deep stabilizing muscles are working because they have such incredible mobility. We see that people that don't have that mobility, they're the ones that are overusing the phasic muscles, the big muscles, the one that typically have tears and strains and, and tension and trigger points. And I think if we had mobility everywhere, we're, we're going to only use what we need uh, reflexively. These are typically type 1 muscles and ones that you, you don't think about to contract. When you go and shake somebody's hand, the rotator cuff contracts. Uh, but you didn't think about that. You just thought about the motion. If you really need to rant, whack that person around and shake them up and down, you will use the rotator cuff up to a certain point, and then you'll use your deltoid and your lat and your pecs. But if, if, you're, if, if you don't have a lot of motion in the shoulder, 
the rotator cuff has no reason to stabilize because the stiffness or neurogenic stiffness, now this is where the keen evaluation happens, is it a mechanical stiffness in the tissue or is this temporary stiffness that the brain is using to protect the strategy where the mobility is always there, but the brain's not letting it happen. So those are components of the core pendulum theory so that you can use the outer phasic muscles as awesomely ruthless as you need to when required. That's very good. It's getting better, better and better. Is that okay? Whoever was listening? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm sure he'll be jumping up and down when he hears it though. All right, man. Thank you for the question. <laughs> <laughs> how does that, my question is, um, how does all that tie into pain science? You're working with somebody in pain. Um, I, I don't know that uh, there's a direct link because the fact of the matter is, uh, at least as I understand it, pain is you know, like trying to hold a wet willy with grease all over your That's hands. right, yeah. It's, so, a, so, it's ephemeral. It's, it's an it's a elusive sand through yeah. the hands thing. So now if, if somehow um, exploiting what I am describing as the core pendulum theory changes the person's pain, you were correct. Like it's, it's, that was total, but, but to think that that's the only reason why you can change pain, that was your angle. And that's really what it is. Like anything can be an angle to change pain. Um, you know, there, now there's, there, there's a, uh, a, a quite a, quite a bit of evidence that would suggest that certain, uh, humoral factors change, they decrease with human touch. So we're not, yeah, uh, uh, creatine kinase will be decreased with deep touch. So creatine kinase in high amounts is typically associated with pain. So it's not to say that these things don't have some kind of merit and basis. It just can't be the only thing. Because if one thing does it, uh, but something else does it, it just didn't matter. So how do we strip that back? And how do we exploit pain science? Like the, 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 what we know, like science, what we said before, do something once so you have a reason to believe it will, do, it will get a, a result if you do it twice. Well, the fact of the matter is, there is, no, there is no technical, there's no technique that's going to give you that. What may work to change your back pain may not work for mine. Um, or maybe if I used a different verbiage, or maybe if it was a hot chick instead of a fat pig t- uh, training me, maybe my response to pain would be different. Maybe if the person's voice um, replicated the voice of some kid that beat you up with you a little, it's not going to work. If you don't like somebody wearing a striped shirt, it's not going to work. Um, you know, these are, there's so many different things and it's all going to be stripped down to sensory motor input. Um, yeah, and, and, and how you sense things is different. If, if the last 10 people that you know, uh, said, go to this, uh, Cairo and he's going to use McKenzie method, there's a very, very good chance that regardless of whatever's going on with your spine or your hips or whatever, and your back hurts and you do the McKenzie method, there's a good chance that your pain will change. Uh, and it's because that's what you believe. And, and a lot of times, you know, there's, uh, I run the risk of, of insensitivity, but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> um, who do you think is going to have more pain? Uh, Helga from, from, from Sweden or uh, Senora Lupita from, from, from downtown uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico? Um, most people are going to say the big Viking is going to have uh, a higher pain tolerance than, uh, than the, the, the Spanish Latina, vieja. So why is this? Well, probably because culturally, Culture, yep. and so, so, you know, I would, I would say too, I learned, I learned pain science firsthand by watching great men uh, carry 160 pounds of gear over a 40 mile period uh, with no sensation in their leg because the, uh, you know, some kind of nuclear substance was compressing their nerve, but they still did it. 
because they didn't feel pain and they were able to mechanically continue with the task at hand. So they didn't stop. So what makes a Marine different than somebody else? Because they, you know, in that world, you're a weak man. Yeah. If you say something's painful, you lose your spot or you're made to feel that this is unacceptable. Uh, so, so, I mean, pain science is, is, is correct. I, th- I think what you're getting at, though, and it's important to suggest, no one should feel shamed um, if, they're, if they're helping someone change their pain. Now, it might not be why you were taught. So, for instance, there's particular manual therapy models that talk about adhesions, and you're, you're going to use your thumb to do this and this, and um, yeah, you're, you're feeling for things. You're not feeling jack crap. But, but you know what? I have seen people have pain. I have seen people use particular manual therapy techniques that, that believe that they are breaking up adhesions, and I've seen people's arms move a hell of a lot more desirably. So we should not feel ashamed for helping someone. Uh, and even if you're, te- if you're giving them a bill of goods, if you don't think it's a bill of goods, you shouldn't be ashamed for how you're helping people. You also should not be ashamed or uncomfortable when someone points out your folly because you were helping the person. Here's a way you're going to help them better. And, and that's a, uh, I think that's where the message of pain science becomes um, very, very murky. Um, you, can't, you can only prove two things. You can prove what your intent was. Your intent does not have to be correct or consistent with neurology and physiology. Absolutely. Uh, but you can prove, tell me what you're doing there. Well, I'm putting my hand here and I'm going to put a little compression and I'm going to put a little of this and I'm going to tell their arm to move and do this. And I expect that adhesion in that muscle to change and I expect their arm to be able to do this. I said, okay, prove something else to me. Did it change? Did you get a desirable outcome? You can always prove those two things, but you can never prove why it happened. For instance, there's, there's, there's a wealth of literature that would suggest that if you take someone of traditional Asian descent, and you take someone from typical Western descent, and they both have pain under the very, very same criteria, because it's good research. They're gonna have inclusion criteria that means the same. The only difference between the two groups was their uh, social upbringing. Um, In one of which their communities, using acupuncture is very, very prominent and very, very acceptable, whereas the other one is typically uh, less than ideally understood. The, the, so the same problem, same inclusion criteria, same acupuncture treatment, one side has been brought up to not understand it, the other one has been brought up to accept it and, and demand it. The, the, the Asian culture would have tremendous pain relief, uh, the Western culture would not have pain relief. The research was not done. The humoral and hormonal factors that are associated with putting needles in your body were the same in both. So, of course, I mean, the message is silly to think that needles don't do something to the body, but they don't always have to equate to pain. And, 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 and that doesn't mean don't do it. It just means that if you're going to change pain, you should be able to change the pain. And you keep trying different things and different things and different things. And that might go back to your other question, what I do differently. I'm like, I'm like a, a hit and run artist because I feel very strongly in my techniques that if I can't affect the change, that doesn't mean knockout blow, like you're pain-free doing backflips. But I should be able to move the dial very, very quickly if I've picked the right key uh, on the skeleton key ring. So, absolutely, absolutely. I think yeah. yes, that's that's the movement. That's the future. Yeah, <clears throat> is uh, hit and run, make a change, and if you're not making a change, you got to move on to the next thing until you you hit the, the dial right. The the challenge in communicating that is uh, the 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 spiritual component is how do you spend your minutes. If you have eight minutes with a person, if you have 60 minutes with a person, how you spend your minutes in attempting to create solutions, it's, it's all hunt and peck when it's pain. 
and and you, you you have to have a starting point. You have to have an anchor. You have to have an angle. And if your angle is is foolishness, run it, run it, because like, it'll probably work sometimes. Uh, no, but but you can't. Uh, the problem with foolish models is that they're taught in such a way that that's all you need, and right, and exactly. that, and that, that's a mistake. It's not that they don't work. It's that they're not going to work all the time, and they kind of leave that part out, and and that's how you create a cult. Well, those folks start to self-select their own. They self-select the people that will be successful under that group, subconsciously or consciously. Right, right, and they also they also self-select um, at a, a level of insulation, so that they because that stuff is taught. Oh, yeah. such, is, they, did you, they, did you just say cult? Is that what you yeah. said? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they insulate themselves because that's how it's taught in a very cult-like fashion. Um, when in fact, the techniques have value, but they have value with a different level of evaluation. And because uh, again, not everything is going to work for everybody, uh, but anything can work for anybody. And that's really where it gets, can be very confusing where the pain science folks, um, those messages are typically uh, very solid and, and oftentimes you know, incontrovertible. But when they get into the next step of what do you do about it, um, they're very much cherry picking. I attended um, a seminar and, and uh, it was one of the pain science heroes. And first of all, it appeared that after he evaluated, because he's probably a very experienced therapist, um, he was doing everything mechanical. Like the guy worked on T-spine, worked on hip mobility. It's like if he had done an, uh, a, a well-executed SFMA, you would have come up with the exact same endpoints. His exercises were like, probably perfect. Uh, but, but then, you know, but, but he, he challenged certain words and like people, you know, cause of course you sit around your friends and, and I'm guilty of myself of insulating myself sometimes in that world. Uh, I, I felt very uh, required to, to do that because I even said, and I had some people, um, you know, take, take a uh, very positive respect to what I was saying. I was afraid to even raise my hand cause I didn't agree with anything the guy was saying uh, outside of what he was saying, meaning he was like nailing it. But he was then saying other stuff was wrong or and he was uh, talking a lot about core stability and like that doesn't do it because he thought core stability is tightening your abs to take a punch. Core yeah. stability could be getting an ideal diaphragmatic breath and intra-abdominal pressure to stabilize the spine and take advantage of the core pendulum theory that we talked about a few minutes ago. So, um, yeah, very dangerous individuals, very dangerous individuals. Whenever the primary message is to not tell you something factual uh, and or tell you why what you're doing is wrong uh, is very dangerous. And I think I'm guilty. I used to do that a little bit. Uh, it wasn't my primary thing, but I would be very quick to tell you why your hero was full of shit. And, and it was a mistake. It's not the best way to communicate. And, it, and I was wrong. And, and I, I really get to a point, like anytime somebody's telling you why what you're doing is wrong, it, it's, it's not a win-win. Um, the, the, if, if you believe what I'm saying, we, you and I should both win. Uh, maybe one wins more than the other, but, but we should both win. And I think that's, that's, that's the messenger you should feel good about. Not that they're telling you everything you want to hear, but if all they're saying is, is what you're doing is wrong and you're just dumb and you're not good and you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, even though you have objective if data to say that you're helping people achieve desirable outcomes, even if they're cheap, even if they're cheap desirable outcomes, maybe they would, maybe I would look at it and be like, yeah, like that's like 10% of the picture. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's okay. Like, like just, just show me what you do. Tell me what you do. Like, don't tell me what I do is wrong. And, and, um, and that's, that's a, uh, I remember at seminars that are private and I don't say it anymore. I, I used to say, it's like, 
I will always tell you why I do what I do. I'll tell you why I don't do what I don't do. I should have stopped there because what I continued to say was I'll tell you why your hero is full of shit, but you have to ask me. Now, I think if someone asks, that's a different story than if you're volunteering it, but it's a great social media strategy to just run your mouth about other people because then people will listen to you. Then you, you, you're, you were like waving a flag and uh, you create a spectacle. So, um, and I think if you look at a lot of the pain science messengers that exist on social media, that appears to be something very important to them. They, they think it's important for them to get their, you know, people are going to read their, their stuff if they say what they're saying, rather than just be, just describe how they think they can help you by showing you their model. Yeah, it's regressive. Uh, it's not progressive. It's Yeah, well, they would probably disagree. They think that they're saving the world by telling all of us what we're doing is wrong. Um, no, I, I don't think that's a, a useful approach. I think it's very okay to tell somebody that they're doing things wrong if they're asking, but I don't think you should volunteer it. That's, that's pretty powerful stuff. I don't, I don't think anyone's really uh, quantified it as well on some sort of track. So we got a digital track of a good take uh, concerning, <laughs> okay. concerning the pain science crowd. Yeah. Um, no, I remember I was at a, at a seminar and a uh, long, long time ago, and I'm like, I think I know what a lot of the pain science folks are saying. I don't think they know what I'm saying. Why aren't they listening? Like, I, I'm learning from them. Uh, but yeah, they yeah, totally they, no totally but they, won't, but they won't learn from me and that that's a very disappointing approach where um but hey you know what but like we talked about before you get to a point where i don't care man i'm just doing what i do you know wrestling's coming <laughs> on wrestling's gonna be on in an hour here in, on the east coast i don't worry that's about right it. speaking of what you do let's uh let's talk about your dvds because yeah uh, I, I like i like training equals rehab i haven't gotten into number two yet but what do you got and what do you got coming on the horizon the, uh, so we're up to three, so it's been, it. about, it's been about seven years. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just something that kind of took off. Uh, in 2009, uh, I was asked to do it for Equinox and, and they wanted to bridge the gap between personal training, excuse me, and physical therapy. And part of that initial dialogue was like, well, I don't really think there is a gap. And that's where training was rehab began. And it's where I first talked about the core pendulum theory and a lot of other things. And because, it, because it did so well, uh, I kind of felt, you know, not, I just needed to do it again. It's kind of become my, my identity. Um, it's very, very flattering to have people, uh, whether I like them personally or not, um, people will say that I've had a, had a role in redefining how uh, training is viewed, not so much therapy, where, where the value of what a therapist, and I, if I say therapist, I mean chiro, I mean therapist, I mean anybody who who doesn't, you know, anyone who manages, you know, primary neurological function, um, I would consider uh, a fitness approach to be primarily addressing physiological, even though everything is everything. So if I say therapist, I'm not uh, saying anything bad. You know, they, um, in fact, uh, some of the more progressive models out there will hire PTs or chiros to be a quote unquote performance therapist. Um, you know, the, the, to be able three or four years later, I felt that I had enough information to do another one. And, and then three or four years later, we just, uh, I think last, hmm, I want to say last June, we came out with uh, T equals R3, where they're just brain dumps. And, and they're just, uh, this is what motivates me. This is just what I do. This is just what I think. Uh, and, and I think if you watch all three, you see hopefully uh, a growth over a period of time that not only reflects in my voice and my, my style, et cetera, but like, you know, you, you, what, what motivated me to, to try to do the things that I'm doing. And, and, well, yeah, I think it's a lot of, you know, probably a lot of fun. I'm, I'm one of some of the things that I'm really proud of is like, sometimes people will say like the production value, 
Um, in the first one, we were one of the first to ever use HD uh, in 2009, 2010. The second and third one, I hired WWE uh, uh, producers you know, to, that literally worked for WWE using those cameras and having that production value uh, because I just wanted to do something that was better than what everyone else was, was doing. And, and I think that the quality of the content is, again, for other people to decide. Uh, and, and it's, it's um, you know, I, I feel like the, you know, what we've been able to do with those DVDs in terms of um, I've kept a level of uh, integrity that nothing that I have put out there is going to, if put into the wrong hands, uh, is, is going to be practiced by a non-healthcare provider. That's something that I feel very strongly about. I want the non-healthcare providers to know everything that the healthcare provider knows. I want the healthcare providers to know everything that the trainer knows, but I want them to practice uh, the plays that they're good at. Like uh, the offensive tackle doesn't, you know, run fly patterns. Um, but I think we're seeing that. And I think that's, that's a lot of what comes across in my DVDs. I'm trying to, to, to put a bubble or what I talk about in T equals R3, a snow globe, over what we all do. Now, who the hell am I to, to say I know everything? I don't know everything, but if there's something that I feel like I'm good at is that I can, I can, I can look down and see a, a wider picture than what other people appear to see um, because I'm not attached to, to what happens on the ground. I'm attached to the victory um, when you hold up the trophy over your head. I'm interested in what's going on up there more so than, than, than how we got there. And if we can understand the basic tenets of neurology and physiology, then all of your techniques have value at the right time. And that's what we try to put across in those, uh, in the three DVDs. Powerful stuff, man. That's awesome. Yeah, if you say so. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it is. You know, it yeah. is. You know, uh, it is. come you on, know man. You know, it is. No, it's a, uh, um, don't start being humble now, right at the very end. I, I'm, I've been humble the whole time. I'm going to <laughs> <Shut I>, <laughs> con continue to be humble, and and it's a uh, it's a it's a special opportunity to be able to uh, it, other people just want to listen. And and if and if somebody's like, yeah, everything that dude just said was trash, then that's okay. Like it's cool. We could talk about something else. Like yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, but we can't get past that. We're so connected to the stuff that we do. And, and one of the other cliches that I say, uh, like we get to a point like you don't, you don't want to win. You just want to do what you want to do. And, and of course that's antagonistic. Like the conversation has, is lost at that point. Uh, but I hope that, that by when, when people that are challenged uh, in their communication and they can't accept that someone's really just trying to help them and, and they do know more than they do and they are smarter than they are and they have a bigger peripheral um, and they're going to, and they're going to hang and they're going to like really make a mean fist and hold on to this. It's, it's, well, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. Well, then you're saying you really don't want to win. And, and because if someone else can take that kind of rough message and be like, thank you, you know, I really appreciate you telling me that and walk away and half the people are going to walk away and completely dismiss it because it wasn't presented in an emotionally proper fashion, but people that walk the other way, like, man, I can't admit in front of that dude that he just changed everything that I think but I'm going to do what he says and I don't need the credit. Uh, I don't need to have that recognition. Uh, so, but, but I wish more people would, would understand that, you know, that it is possible for someone to know more than you. And it is very, very possible for them to be giving you this golden message wrapped up in a, in a bunch of saran wrap and, and, and dirty newspapers. And, and you won't, you won't look inside because you don't like the message. You don't like how it's being told because it's challenging everything, you know, like another cliche you've heard me say over the years is, is, Everybody's open-minded until, until you find out everything you know is wrong. 
and, and try it. Like, like you don't, people won't even try it. I can look everybody in the eye and if I have a negative message about something, meaning a message of omission, a message of restriction, don't do that, here's why. Uh, of course, when it's solicited, um, you know, people don't want to hear all that. They just want to say, do this. Here's a new technique. Here's a, here, do this. Yeah. No, just stop doing that. It's nonsense. It, it makes no sense. And, um, but, but people don't like that because they, they, fall in a, they fall into a trap where maybe, I don't know, you know what the, the experience or age groups of people that are listening. When I was coming up as a therapist in the late 90s, you know, there was only really three continuing education models, maybe four. There was a three M's. It was Mulligan, McKenzie, and Maitland. And, and maybe you could do some Stanley Paris, who really took those models and kind of made them his own. Uh, when I was getting my doctorate, uh, one of my instructors called me a young Stanley Paris. That may not mean anything to the Cairo crowd, but it's, uh, it's an interesting suggestion because this was also someone who was very, very verbal and, and saw things before other people saw them. Again, if that's what people say about me, that's great. I just want to watch TV you know, on my big TV and go to Disney. Um, but <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm going to jump at these opportunities to, uh, to answer your questions in the best way that I can because – if, if people are going to be affected and then they choose to uh, positively affect others, uh, I'm, I got a hand in that and I don't need to touch it because I know my hand's in there. And that's a, a very exciting thing that I've been able to get to uh, in my career. And I hope that if that's something that somebody aspires to, just, be, just keep being great at what you do and, and, and uh, you'll be able to help a lot of people. I think I see that as, as sort of like a fifth to sixth reincarnation or reiteration of, of, your, of your, your being in this professional sense is that uh the language part you know the mentorship on the side of language is coming along yeah you know i and, and obviously I've, it's I've really easy to that. change someone's state by just pissing them off but uh to lead them and motivate them and then get them to commit themselves to excellence yeah and a I've, gift of language and i've uh and i've and i and i've gotten to that point just like when you asked like how do you grow by failure i was failing i kept I kept being the bad guy because you could get the emotion. And obviously when people are emotional, they're labile. So you could get them, but yeah, then, yep. but then th that's a risk. So you, you create that emotion and they're labile, you could lose them. And, and, and I was wrong and, and I'm so disappointed in myself and I can only take these opportunities to uh, not that I'm fishing for what you just said, because I know that one's true. I, I, I know because I've tried to get better at it. And, and, uh, you know, that's where you, you, you're surprised to talk about business. You can't do well in business without that. And that's where I started to you know, run my own business and I, and I consult now, you know, a lot uh, outside of our profession because like, as soon as I start going, like people want to listen and we start to see that the decision-making process, the, the engineering, the Boolean, um, yes, no type of uh, strategies that, that, that create systems, uh, they work in all professions. And, and then, of course, you know, people want to hear about Canada basketball and, and how uh, this walking fire hydrant, you know, likes taking pictures with Mickey Mouse. Like there's a, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reality to, to what I'm saying. And, and, and uh, I, think, I think what, we're gonna, what I'm going to be able to do is affect a larger number of people positively than maybe what I did before. But just like everything else, maybe people wouldn't be listening if I didn't play Steve Austin, you know, in 2010. Um, and maybe they wouldn't listen. Who knows? But yeah, well, it's a good comeback story. But I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I do think that the quality of the message was positive enough that I was able to out, out outlive it. And I've seen a lot of other people where I warn them. I'm like, yo, trust me, man. You need to like. I made those mistakes, and I was lucky that I outlived it. 
um, because I'm telling you, by telling everybody that everything, everybody else sucks and your stuff is the only thing you need is, is not going to work. Um, nope, yeah, I've heard I, the message. I was one of those guys too. I've yeah, heard the message. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting, uh, interesting thing that, that yeah, I, I think the older, the older you get, the, the, you realize that uh, you, know, weren't, you weren't always that smart. But I wouldn't do it any other way. I have no choice. <laughs> Me either, my friend. Um, yeah. I want to get let you get to wrestling. Uh, yeah, I got to pack up, leaving, uh, flying out. Not tomorrow, but I'm not coming back home. So I <laughs> pack well, up. I can't, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. Cool, man. If, I, know, uh, I know people are going to love it. Can I, can I plug the website? Is that okay? Yes, plug anything you want. Uh, so we talked about the DVDs. If that's something anybody wants to get into, it's at charlieweingroff.com. And there's lots of articles. I probably don't post as much as I did several years ago, but we've got some Facebook lives that, uh, that kind of take the place and, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, the whole deal. Um, yeah, I, I've, I think my articles have become these quick hits on Twitter and, uh, maybe one day I'll get back to writing. I'm pretty much, you know, I used to say maybe I'll motivate, motivate to do it, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So, uh, but we'll keep doing those Facebook lives and uh, we've got some, we've got some plans, you know, on how to repackage, you know, the stuff that you see on T equals R, you know, every year that goes by, there's less percentage of what I still believe. So I've got to figure out a way to get that stuff updated. And we have some ideas that uh, we're going to have some things punching out, you know, over the next year or so on uh, online uh, to, to keep all the information updated uh, uh, so that when I change my mind, it's very easy to amend the, uh, the, the, the strength of the message. It's like a Wikipedia of your brain. Ah, uh, you know, Charliepedia. I, I think, I think that's, I think it's also that this is how people want to consume information. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if anybody doesn't have a DVD player, I will buy you a DVD player. Uh, <laughs> and, and we've actually, we've actually done that. Um, DVDs, man. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I think, you know, down the road, we're going to amalgamate uh, everything that we've done and then add some new things and almost create like uh, an online streaming library of, uh, of content that would, that would really, you know, you know, if people like what I'm saying, well, then they're going to have an opportunity to, uh, to consume it uh, on a, in a different way. Sweet. Yeah. Charlie, thank you very much. All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, cool. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. All right. Yeah, absolutely. All right.